Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta with you guys as always, and tonight Zach Hubbard joining me as we break down the commitment of 2022 four-star wide receiver Tychon Chapman, the Tar Heels first in the 2022 class, and then turn our attention to the upcoming commitment, which is scheduled for uh, tomorrow on Christmas Day, actually, uh, for Tavon Holloway. So uh, we'll jump right into it. Uh, first of all, uh, let's talk about Tychon Chapman. Uh, this is a really big commitment for the Tar Heels. Not only, as we mentioned, is it their first in the 2022 class, but another dynamic wide receiver that the Tar Heels will really love to have in Phil Longo's offense. Uh, just you know, so much excitement around this young man—a guy that can really fly in open space and uh, is you know somebody that the Tar Heels were really, really high on from the minute that they offered him uh, from the state of Virginia. So, uh, Zach, I know uh, you got a chance to definitely probably look over his film, see what type of player he is. And I'm assuming that uh, this is a guy that you're also extremely excited about, uh, as I am. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, first commitment within the 2022 class, Tyshawn Chapman, um, rated as a four-star per the 24-7 sports composite uh, right there at 163. Um, So obviously a very highly sought-after prospect in terms of his measurements listed at 5'10", 160, so a little bit slight 
if there's any knock, it would be on, um, you know, that frame as of right now. Uh, but out of the Virginia Beach area, so again, another recruit that we see sort of out of that Tidewater area in Virginia uh, that North Carolina has really been targeting, specifically headed up by uh, Trey Bly as a native of that area. Mm-hmm. Speaking just to what he brings to the class and potentially brings to the Tar Heels, um, we know that this Tar Heel offense um, obviously is explosive both in running and passing, but you know the main focus is always going to be on the efficiency of the pass game within Phil Longo's sort of air raid offense, and that really thrives when you have a high-quality slot receiver. We've seen Carolina take uh, several guys that sort of fit that mold. You know, sort of back when he was a high schooler, we thought maybe Joffrey Brown would fit within that mold. We've seen guys like uh, Josh Downs as an incoming freshman, and then in this upcoming class, potentially guys like Gavin Blackwell can step within that role. Uh, but Tyshawn, he really, really fits that role of a slot receiver. Um, I think not to draw too close of a Carolina comparison, but just from where they're from, their style of play, I think you do see at least a little bit, if not a good amount, of how Daz Newsom plays in their play style. They're not the biggest guys. They're not you know, the guy that's going to... Uh, jump up in the red zone necessarily like a Bo Corrales and and catch the football, you know, in the air. But they're guys that are going to get out in space and are going to make plays. Uh, You look at how Tyshawn plays at the high school level, he's doing more than just being a slot receiver, um, playing probably some Wildcat quarterback. I know he's playing some running back. So Mm -hmm. they're involving him in different ways. And that's sort of what you see with a lot of these smaller receivers. But definitely very quick, definitely very shifty in open space so probably a guy that you'd use you know in some motion maybe some screens uh, but most definitely you're going to use them in um, slant routes things of that nature sort of in that rpo game so really really good prospect um fits the mold of a guy that north carolina has been recruiting class after class and just a really really good prospect to start with in this 2022 class yeah i like him a lot uh, as you mentioned i mean the shiftiness in open space uh he's gonna be a problem for acc defenders to bring down uh for years to come this is a guy that is absolutely dynamic uh he can put his foot in the ground cut back extremely easily um you know i, I mean again we've we've talked about shifty guys before that can make a you know a guy or two miss in open space this is a guy that you know you you see him multiple times on film where he will completely change direction um and pretty much get away from an entire front seven to be able to pick up first downs, to pick up, you know, to, to run long touchdowns in. Um, and as you mentioned, that's the other thing that I think is really interesting about him and I think makes him uh, an interesting fit for the Tar Heels in this offense. You know, he looks like a guy that, you know, if, if you're going to use him only exclusively at receiver, he is going to be a slot guy. But I think Carolina will use him, you know, maybe potentially in the backfield as well. Um, it's, you know, also a guy that, you know, could, you know, potentially be used um, at other spots, you know, in the offense to try to get him some some extra touches, especially you know in some of those uh, those fly sweep motions stuff like that. That could be something that Carolina tries to work in with him because of how good of you know not only I mean just you know cut 
cutback ability, but also really has great vision in the open field, which is something that you know you're used to seeing a lot from your running backs, but not as much from your wide receivers. Your receivers are usually going to be guys that are going to try to turn on the straight line speed to pull away from guys. He's a little bit more of a guy that you know he has the speed when he finds the hole, he can hit it real quick and be able to get to the end zone and run away from defenders. But he will make guys miss with a couple of great moves in the open field. So it'll be interesting to see what he does uh, in this Tar Heel offense in a couple of years. Um, and, and you know, as you mentioned, I mean, just a guy that's been tearing it up in the Tidewater area of Virginia. Uh, 1,300 yards of total offense last year, 15 total touchdowns. Um, you know, 645 of those yards came as a receiver. Um, so you can see that it was a pretty solid balance uh, between uh, you know those those two positions that he played a year ago for a Princess Anne team. Of course, if that sounds familiar, it should. That's where Tony Grimes came from. Um, you know that was of course last year for a team that had a pretty historically good season uh, for Princess Anne. Uh, they are not a school that's had a great track record of success. Um, so for them to win eight games a year ago was huge. We'll see. You know with all the losses that they've had from this year, they lost Tony Grimes. Uh, of course, to Carolina. Uh, James Smith is a guy that went on and uh, is going to play at uh, the University of Louisiana Monroe. We'll see if Tyshawn Chapman can help lead that team to success. That'll be a pretty good look at him uh, later on this year when they start uh, in February. Um, but, you know, if I had to get, you know, kind of compare him to a guy, you know, somebody that I think he could end up being, uh, you know, one of the guys that kind of popped into my head a little bit, if people remember him back at Texas A&M, uh, was Christian Kirk, a guy that's really fast, really shifty in the open field. Of course, now he plays for Arizona. Um, you know, he's really turned himself into more of a straight line receiver, a guy that can get down the field, catch the football. Uh, that could be what Chapman turns into because he has that really good straight line speed. We'll see if maybe that's what Lonnie Galloway wants to try to do with them or keep some of that shiftiness to his game. But another guy that's interesting to look at that I think, you know, when you look at how Carolina might use him uh, is, you know, if you watch the SEC championship game this past weekend, could be how Florida uses Kadarius Tony to a certain extent. They use Tony as a guy that you know, of course, can catch the ball, uh, you know, down the field from time to time, use him out of the slot. But they also like to use him in the backfield. They like to hand him the ball because he is dynamic. He can make a lot of people miss in open space, and he can really fly. So uh, there's a reason to be really excited about the potential of Tychun Chapman going forward. But you know, one of the other big things, and we've talked about it here when it's come to this 22 class, is that this is not only a big addition for the Tar Heel offense, this is also a big help for the Tar Heels as they continue to try to establish some recruiting routes in that Tidewater area. The Tar Heels did a solid job of that under Larry Fedora, but it's really been taken to another level under Dre Bly and Mac Brown once he got in there uh, under his staff. So, um, you know, I, I think at this point, you know, you look at this class in the Tidewater area, this is a historically good class in this region of Virginia this year. And this goes a long way to helping the Tar Heels uh, establish uh, a relationship with guys in the 2022 class, especially since they're not able to get these guys on campus. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you've, you've seen it over the years in recent recruiting classes where North Carolina has valued um, you know, the whole state of Virginia, but specifically that Tidewater area during Mac Brown's first tenure at North Carolina, it was a very important area for the Tar Heels and recruiting specifically like 
we mentioned with, you know, former standoff player, now coach in Dre Bly. Mm -hmm. And you really look at the area, obviously, you know, UNC wants to recruit within their own state, but in terms of an area that's closest to them, that's, you know, really a goldmine for talent. That's the goal. That's the Tidewater area. And also you look within the state of Virginia at this point, uh, both of its sort of flagship programs uh, in the University of Virginia and Virginia Tech aren't, you know, really performing up to their standards. Uh, specifically, Virginia Tech is not necessarily performing up to its level that we saw prior under uh, Coach Frank Beamer. So with that, uh, really that area is pretty ripe for a multitude of teams to take advantage of there not being a really, really dominant um, in-state recruiter there. And I think that makes it a really, really good opportunity for North Carolina one that they've already cashed in on, uh, specifically with guys like you mentioned, like Cameron Kelly, and then most recently, Tony Grimes. Um, I think Tony Grimes, what the, what he did this past season, coming in early, playing early, even you know finding a role at times um, as that defensive uh, backfield um, rotated, and we had guys that were injured and had guys sort of rotate in there, as he find a w- found a way, rather, to get on the field and play early and really show that this is, you know, a place that kids from come and be successful. I think that as we saw here with Tyshawn, it's already paying dividends uh, in terms of the inroads that North Carolina can make. Um, you think it's in another state, you think it's not far away, but there are several kids that will, you know, one of the first things they'll tell you is, you know, North Carolina is actually closer to my house than, yep. you know, the University of Virginia in Charlottesville or Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. So really with a lot of these guys, as long as you're not going up against um, some of these national recruiters such as Clemson or Ohio State, North Carolina, even in some of those battles, North Carolina has a really, really good shot with a lot of these top shelf prospects that we see within that area. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, that was shown with Tony Grimes. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the distance is one of the things that has been a huge, huge talking point for Dre Bly when it's come to trying to convince these guys to come and play for the Tar Heels. So uh, it's, it definitely seems to be working out. I think another really big part of it is that, you know, you look at what Tony Grimes' commitment did for you, not only uh, just seeing a guy that's a five-star go to Carolina and have success. I mean, look, you know, he, he He's not only become a guy that's a part of the rotation, he's a guy that starts week in and week out, and every week that he's been on the field, he has improved. I mean, you know, you can only think, you know, if he can continue to improve, what he could end up being could be a guy that could be a future first-round pick, one of the top players uh, defensively in all of college football. You know, that's something that is really going to help you. But the other thing is, is that his father uh, has a really, really big um, you know, recruiting swing in the state of Virginia. He he has a lot of uh, you know momentum with some of these guys, especially in the seven five seven region. He's a very well known coach out there, very well known personality. He has a lot of connections with a lot of the kids that are out there right now, and you know he's a guy that at this point is definitely helping you on the recruiting trail. We saw you him not only with guys from that Tidewater region, but we also saw him with five 
star offensive tackle Zach Rice earlier this year. He was a guy that helped him attend multiple games this year of Carolinas. And that's only going to help Carolina going forward. So having an ally like that on your side is going to help you. And again, you know, Rice is you know, one of the big time targets in the state of Virginia. Uh, there's a couple other guys that Carolina really has their eye on all the way up into the mountainous areas uh, from, you know, Lord Borderon High School and five-star offensive tackle Gunner Givens, who the Tar Heels are still hanging around for. Um, that one seems like a little more of a stretch where Rice seems like a guy that is strongly considering Carolina at this point. Um, but there's also, you know, another group of guys. You got Sherrod Covell, uh, who we've talked about a little bit on here before. Uh, a recent offer at safety for Carolina at Oscar Smith High School. Uh, that's where Cameron Kelly came from. So he's definitely also getting some swing from there. But that's what's really helping you is that you're starting to see the guys that are from the 757 area not only commit to Carolina, but have success at Carolina. So that's only going to serve you well in, you know, an area that's growing as a whole, but again, has a historic class that is getting ready to come out of there in the 2022 cycle. And one of those guys that is going to uh, end up coming out of there and another guy that the Tar Heels are in really good standing with as they head into his commitment is Tayon Holloway. He is going to commit on Christmas Day. Carolina is one of the final six for him. Uh, you know, a, a final group that, you know, is relatively expected when it comes out of this area. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of the guys in recent years have very similar top schools lists uh, that have come out of here. Um, you know, uh, teams like Virginia, of course, on there. Um, but also, you know, Virginia Tech uh, is actually the one that's on his list, Excuse me, I got that wrong. I thought uh, it was Virginia that was the in-state team that was on his list. But you also see teams like Penn State, like Pittsburgh, another team that's really established really good roots in that area. Um, and, and, you know, also uh, Maryland on there. Mike Loxley, his guys, they've really done a great job of uh, putting a little bit of focus in that part of the state. And then Florida State, that's the other team that's in there as well. Um, you know, I, I think Carolina really likes where they're at in this one. He has a really good relationship with Dre Bly, also has a strong connection with Chapman. So uh, I, I think, you know, you look at that, you look at the fact that he also very close ties with Tony Grimes' father as well. Everything seems to stack up in Carolina's favor in this one to land an extremely talented guy uh, that you know is going to be able to fit into what Carolina wants in their system. Uh, if you turn on the tape of him, which you know he's a guy that you know some people will probably be familiar with just from watching George Wilson's tape a little bit. Um, but if you throw on his film, focus on him a little bit more, he's a guy that can handle being a man cover corner with relative ease. Uh, his numbers from last year are pretty amazing. Um, you know we'll end up putting those in the commitment article so you guys can see that, but this is a guy that Carolina really wants to have, and heading into his commitment, it looks like they have a really good chance of landing. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, uh, really good length, um, not necessarily the tallest guy, but really long arms, and really just you know another one of these uh, quote-unquote blue-chip prospects, four-star prospects with that, within that area. Uh, in this instance, both from Virginia Beach, um, and it really just goes to show, I mean, like you mentioned, you look at those uh, the list of the finalists, it's a lot of those more local schools that sort of fit within that framework that are very common within that Tidewater area. Uh, but, you know, anything that you read regarding this recruitment, anything that we've heard from Targill sources or from the national guys have really sort of, you know, hinted or been even explicit 
uh, to the fact that they believe that North Carolina is a heavy favorite here. So even just as a small thing, um, even having, you know, such an early and um, heavy lean for a guy of this caliber, another top, you know, 150, top 200 guy, mm-hmm. it really just shows sort of the perspective of North Carolina, not only within their own state, not only within this area, but sort of all throughout, I guess, the mid-Atlantic region, if you want to term it that, um, of what this team can be, of what they, you know, sort of can be within the ACC and with within the national perspective. Um, and just as, you know, as, as another slight note, uh, in there as we sort of look into bowl season. We're not going to obviously get into the entirety of, the, of that and the entirety of the bowl game, but just from a recruiting perspective, uh, even just being named to a game like the Orange Bowl, even in a year like this where we know not everything's the same as, as it is in a normal year or a normal bowl season, that's big. I mean, uh, regardless of what happens in that game, regardless of the score one way or the other, just being in that bowl game, being in sort of the New Year Six space, um, it is really huge for the Tar Heels. And I think that that alongside, you know, this early success, I think it'll continue to build and build and pay dividends in this 2022 class. Yeah, oh, definitely. I, I, I think that, you know, this is another class that it, that is pretty key for you. If you're wanting to sort of put yourself up there with the competitors at the top of the country, if you're one of those teams that wants to get to the spot that we kind of talked about when Mac Brown got hired, which was a team similar to Oregon, similar to Washington a couple of years ago, that every so often can jump up there, can get into the college football playoff hunt, and if enough things were to break right, potentially potentially sneak in there, then you're going to have to string together consecutive classes like the one you just put together. This last class was truly amazing because, the you know, again, we talked about it when we did the recap show. Carolina has put together some good classes in the past. They did so under Butch Davis, um, you know, even under John Bunning. There were classes that Carolina put together that were very impressive, especially uh, for the fact that John Bunning just wasn't having as much success as people would have liked. Um, but this class was truly amazing because this was probably one of the smaller classes that Carolina has brought in in the modern recruiting era. It was just 18 commits. And again, you know, we don't expect that anybody else is going to be added. Carolina is probably still looking out there. There are guys that could potentially jump onto the radar uh, here last minute, but it's very, very unlikely this year, considering that you do have, you know, good amount of states that have pushed their seasons off until after the February deadline. Um, It doesn't appear as if they are going to slide back that February deadline. It looks like they are still going to stick with that as the the final signing window. So, um, you know, I, I think that Carolina is probably done, and you're talking about an 18-man class that still ranks inside of the top 15 in just about every major recruiting site. I think, you know, at the end of the day, we'll see uh, if they'll get back into the top 15 on rivals. I know they're 16th as of right now, but even still, that is a great class. And as Mac Brown talked about in his uh, in his post-signing day press conference, this is a class that is not just loaded with prospects, but loaded with really talented prospects. We talked about it on the show. You've got 
15 guys that are, uh, or excuse me, 16 guys that are inside of the top 500 in the 2021 composite rankings. And one of the guys that is outside of that, Caleb Hood, is widely regarded as a guy that if he had played during the fall, probably would have moved inside of the top 500. Um, It feels like Carolina is kind of heading towards another class like that. I mean, you look at a lot of the guys that Carolina is recruiting, and again, Another pretty talented group of in-state prospects, not as talented as this past year, but Carolina in the running for a lot of them, solidly in the running for a lot of guys as well, and in some cases, favorites for some of those guys. Uh, and yeah, you know, and again, you look at those those guys in the state of Virginia that we've talked about. You know, it, it's not just one guy like with Tony Grimes. Even Carolina is in the running for multiple big-time prospects. And again, you know, you look at. Chai Chun Chapman, longtime favorites for him. Tayon Holloway, longtime favorites for him. Sherrod Covell, Carolina starting to potentially look like they could be a favorite out of the gate early for him as well, from what uh, some of these, you know people that are a little bit closer to the recruiting scene are saying. So that is really, really encouraging for the potential of this class. And that doesn't even count the other areas that, you know, Mac Brown has said he wants to go into. Carolina, their footprint, that as Mac Brown says, goes from Virginia to Georgia. That's the area that he wants to focus on first. If you have to go outside of that to get some prospects like they did this past year when they went out and got Eli Sutton at offensive tackle, they will, but they want to take care of business inside of those areas. And the state of South Carolina has some really good talent in this 2022 class. Same thing with the state of Georgia as well. And Carolina is really making a big impact. This would go a long way. And again, you know, as I mentioned, Green Run High School, that's a high school that some people may be familiar with in terms of name. I don't think that Tayon Holloway is going to quite be like his teammate. I don't think there's going to be much change for him. Um, I I think Carolina is pretty much the clear favorite at this point to land him. I'd be extremely shocked if he is not a Tar Heel. So my official prediction for his commitment is that he will be a Tar Heel come uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, One other guy that Carolina was targeting in the class at wide receiver, Adam Randall, he is going to announce his commitment. He announced a Final Four today that does not involved the Tar Heels. It looks like he will more than likely be heading to Clemson. So uh, that one, you know, definitely a talented guy, one that Carolina would definitely have loved to have if they could have taken him. But it seems like he, you know, once Clemson offered, was pretty much all on the Clemson train. And uh, I, I think that's probably where it'll end up. Nothing to really be too concerned about, considering that this is a fantastic wide receiver class. Bunch of in-state guys. Uh, Shalik Knox at wide receiver. Uh, still there on the outside. Uh, he's a guy that can go up and get the football. 6'2", uh, 175. Uh, definitely a guy that I think, you know, Carolina's going to be in for the long haul with. Uh, he's a guy that's probably going to take his time on his recruitment uh, just from having talked to Shalik before um, you know, about where his recruitment is going. Uh, same thing with uh, Dakota Twitty, another guy that's an in-state guy that is really high on Carolina. Don't think he's probably going to take as long with his recruitment, but uh, he's definitely a guy that Carolina, when they offered, uh, definitely established a very quick relationship with and is a guy that is very, very responsive uh, it seems to uh, some of the stuff on social media when it comes to uh, you know some of the edits of him being a Tar Heel, everything like that seems to be pretty thrilled with that. So, uh, not something you should be overly concerned about going forward. So, um, I, I think uh, you know that's mainly it. Is there any other points that you really want to touch on before we get out of here? 
No, I think that's about it. Um, just in conclusion, you know, on the 2022 class, it's great that we can go ahead and get that started after basically finishing up the 2021 class. Um, I, I do, if I have to predict outside of these two commitments, um, there's not really any others that are on the table in the immediate future, though that makes sense uh, with sort of um, visits and everything along those lines still being shut down. It would not surprise me if there are some, you know, guys in the 2022 class that do take their time. Uh, hopefully once visits open, uh, Carolina as well as other schools will be able to get guys on campus. Um, but yeah, that's really it. Uh, in terms of, you know, the class at this time and, you know, looking forward to this announcement come Friday. Yeah, it is going to be a big one for the Tar Heels. Uh, there, you know, are some some other major targets in the class that Carolina is hoping will be able to get to their decisions sooner rather than later. But the earliest that Carolina would be allowed to have recruits on campus get back to normal contact with them due to the NCAA's uh, halt to recruiting would be in April. Again, that's probably going to end up getting pushed back. Um, just you know, again, looking at where. Uh, the nation is right now with the pandemic uh, looking, uh, you know, just in the past uh, over the last couple of months to see, you know, what exactly uh, the NCAA has done around the pandemic and more than likely will get pushed back at some point. So this is going to be even more of an, a, of an interesting recruiting cycle than 2021 was, as we heard Mac Brown say in his post uh, signing day press conference with the 2021 guys, you know, they were able to meet some of those guys. They were able to get some of them on campus. Some guys, you know, they uh, had been to games before for unofficial visits. Other guys, you know, they'd seen at some of these other camps when they were younger. A lot of these guys in the 22 class, they may have seen them at camps. They may have met a few of the high-end guys that we've known for a while have been really talented prospects. But a lot of these guys, they've never even met the coaching staff before. So this is going to be a challenge unlike any other. Um, And we'll see how Carolina is able to uh, put this class together. Everybody's going through the same things, and it helps that Carolina's already off to a pretty solid start in the class. A couple other notes that will tell you uh, just in general from the football side of things, there have been a couple of guys that have entered the transfer portal over the last couple of days. Two guys that we did expect were going to enter the transfer portal in Jace Reuter and Noah Ruggles. Uh, Jace was a guy that pretty much confirmed that uh, before signing day, uh, or signing day, excuse me, stuck in that recruiting mode again, uh, before senior day. Um, to uh, a couple of the sources a little bit closer to the football program uh, that he was probably going to end up uh, transferring. He will end up doing that. Four years of eligibility left for him. So basically, a complete restart to his college career. Uh, He is going to go ahead and move on. Ruggles, guy that is going to have two years of eligibility left, of course had a very successful junior season for the Tar Heels before he, of course, moved on to to play or uh, he was passed over, I should say. Uh, by Grayson Atkins. This year, Atkins coming back uh, for another season. He announced that earlier this offseason. That pretty much made the decision for Ruggles you would have expected at the time, and uh, he ended up confirming that the other day. Another guy that just entered the transfer portal today is uh, offensive tackle, redshirt freshman offensive tackle, Tristan Miller. He is going to move on. Um, a guy that, you know, I uh, have a relationship with his dad. Uh, I have, you know, been talking to him uh, on and off for the last couple
couple of years since his son uh, was actually thinking about changing his commitment to Carolina. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, really genuine guy. Uh, their family has been through a really tough time losing uh, their oldest son, um, Tristan's older brother. Uh, and Tristan uh, made the announcement today that he is going to transfer. His dad told me that uh, he did want people to know that it has nothing to do with Carolina as a university. Much respect for the university, for head coach Mac Brown and everybody in place there. This is just a fresh start for a young man that needs one after what has been an extremely tough year for him. So we wish all three of those guys uh, the best uh, when it comes to that. Uh, a couple other news and notes that we'll talk about. We're going to, of course, go a little more in, in depth in this uh, when we end up previewing the uh, game against Texas A&M, but Carolina with three guys that will not play in the game against the Aggies. Uh, that is uh, Chad Surratt, Michael Carter, and Deami Brown. We talked about that a little bit on the last edition of the podcast. We'll get into it even more uh, when we go ahead and preview that game. Uh, also, all ACC teams revealed Carolina uh, with 13 guys that get, uh, get, get mentioned in some sort of capacity along the way. The most frustrating part, of course, uh, Giovante Williams not named a first-team All-ACC member, instead named a second-team All-ACC running back behind Michael Carter and Travis Etienne. So, of course, we'll have more reaction to that on the next edition of the podcast for you guys, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. Uh, make sure you also head to the website, heeltupblog.com. Some great stuff on there. We've got uh, a ton of stuff up there. You can go back, read the Tychon Chapman commitment article uh, if you want a, a more in-depth breakdown of his game. Uh, also, some other stuff up there on the website when it comes to recruiting. Um, you know, Is Carolina done in the 2021 class? As we told you on here, we think that they could potentially be done on the uh, high school recruiting trail, but it seems like Carolina from what Mac Brown said in his post-signing day press conference, might be saving some space for some potential grad transfers down the line. We have seen just an unbelievable move towards the transfer portal from a lot of guys around the nation. There is going to be a packed transfer portal this offseason, so you never know if Carolina could add some guys there. We tell you the three positions that Carolina could be more, most likely to add someone at if they go into the transfer portal this offseason. And another really interesting article that we just put up today uh, with, you know, signing day closing uh, or signing day happening on Wednesday, the early signing period closing on Friday, and Carolina landing Tyshawn Chapman's commitment. It seems like they are turning their focus to the 2022 class on the high school recruiting trail. So we give you a look at the top 10 targets that Carolina should be looking at in the class. That was written by me, in my opinion. I give you my opinion of the top 10 guys that Carolina should target in this class. Um, and, you know, it's a really interesting article. You guys definitely want to go check that out at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, uh, make sure that you like and follow the Facebook page for that. That'll also help you out with those articles that we just talked about. You can go there, scroll down the feed, find those articles, find the editions of the podcast. And whenever we put out a new edition of the podcast, whenever we premiere a video. It'll let you know right in your notifications area that we are previewing a video um, so that you can tune in live when the video is up or if you, t you can tune in afterwards when we have the video just posted as a regular video. Uh, the other thing uh, I want to encourage you guys, if you're listening to the podcast, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. The rating and reviewing helps us move up some of those rankings, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
wherever that'll help us move up some of those rankings so that people that haven't found the podcast yet can find it when they search Tar Heel Podcast. Also, the subscribing, that's for you so that whenever you subscribe to the podcast, any new edition goes straight into your podcast player. And whenever you want to listen to the latest edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast, you can do that anytime. Anyway, so I want to thank Zach for hosting with me tonight. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. Have a happy holidays, and as always, go Tar Heels.